Welcome everyone to another episode of the In Real Deep Podcast, brought to you in part by Tazzini Media. I'm your host, Steve Cimino, senior writer at InRealDeep.com, and with us, as always, when we're talking fast and furious, is Hulk. Hey there, Hulk. Hey, Mino, glad to be back. Oh, it's good to have you. Andrew can't be here because Andrew can't see movies anymore because he has a small child who is adorable and lovely. But she does keep him away from the Fast and the Furious franchise. But luckily, that's why we have Hulk here. He came for Furious 7, and he's back for F8, as we call it, or Fate. Fate. I don't know why they didn't just call it that in the first place, but we're not the producers. But we are here to talk all about Fast and Furious 8. Uh, it's, I think, the biggest movie. It's not the biggest movie ever yet, but it's the biggest movie currently and probably likely to reach stratospheric heights i imagine it is and i think i read that it was the biggest opening so far of any movie really at least that in april and the easter weekend as well so it's trending towards being perhaps the biggest movie of all time yeah which is ridiculous at I, all i looked at the uh, updated monies today i think it's upwards of 750 million wow worldwide so far so basically everyone in the world has seen this movie uh everyone is all about it but is it any good and that's sort of what we're here to talk about we talked about fury 7 and we raved about it and we've loved um all of them at least back to fast five i know they've all been beloved by critics and fans alike this might be the first one in a little while that showed us shows the seams and shows a little cracks in the armor so we're here to talk all about that and my review is up on inrealdeep.com so if you have a second before you go any further hit that pause button head to inrealdeep.com read the review and then come back and we're going to talk all about it so so, Hulk, let's talk a little bit about uh, Fast and Furious 8. What were your thoughts? I know you love the franchise. You're a connoisseur. Uh, you're a big fan. How did this one sit with you when you walked out of the theater? So, with this one, I understand what they were trying to do because it seems each Fast movie, they're trying to basically up the ante of what these this cast of characters is doing. Mm-hmm. And in this one, they're hijacking or uh, trying to stop the hijacking of a Russian nuclear sub, stop the... St- Stolen EMP bomb, etc. There's a lot of things. A lot of things going. A lot on. of things stolen. A lot of things being bartered and traded for nefarious purposes. But I think one of the flaws are coming across to that is that because they keep upping the ante, they're getting oversaturated with this action in these movies. Because I think I'm still coming off the the three hotel tower Dubai jump with the car. Mm-hmm. That was like the pinnacle. Yeah, it was great. And now they're doing this with the next one. I'm watching. This, I'm like, I wasn't getting any like adrenaline pump from the nuclear scene at all. I'm I'm watching. This, I'm like, I'm ready for this movie to stop. Yeah, I think just about when that scene hit, and I think that's a really good point. And for I mean, if you if you haven't seen the movie, um, you will, won't totally understand this. But I think, guys, I imagine most people have. I think they are the stakes. I think they're trying to raise the stakes, but they they can't correspond with uh, with appropriate action. Like they're they're just even if they're superheroes essentially in their actions, they're still just sort of people. Right. So they need to stop this nuclear bomb. That's great. What can they as regular people, there's only so much they can really do. They can drive cars around and punch each other and d- jump over missiles and move them with their feet, but it just it feels like they're trying to save the world in new ways while also being regular people and I just don't know how much like the action is always better when it's more intimate and yeah. not realistic per se but confined to to some sort of reality and some sort of smaller space and different scheme like just I feel like rising to the level of world savers is possibly proving a little difficult because you can't really find the action to correspond with it no and to prove your point even more within the exact same movie that opening scene in Cuba where it just kind of got back to its fast roots with just a car race sure to me that was one of if not the best scene in the movie yeah it's just uh, it was real dom toretto it was, it was as we've come to know him ripping doors and like hoods <laughs> off a of car so basically it was like an engine he was driving around at that point <laughs> but the whole point thing that was probably the most 
action, even though it was probably the least action-filled scene in terms of what was actually happening, to me it felt like the biggest action scene because you're in the car with Dom and it's just classic Fast and Furious stuff. So it's weird. In like the first 10 minutes, it got back to its roots. Yep. And it almost feels like the movie needs to do that and then it can start escalating things again. Sort of like reset itself and then move forward. Yeah. And I mean, it's that's a really interesting point because... And we'll talk more about this, but you, uh, in my review, I made the case, and I think we both agree, that this was an odd movie for Vin Diesel in the sense that he's he's the linchpin of the franchise, he's the hero, he's the star, he's the producer, he's got a lot of sway. He didn't do very much cool things in the movie. He was involved heavily in the story in the sense that he was sort of the catalyst for why everything happened. He betrayed the team and you had to figure out why, although we found out why pretty quickly, but he he didn't have very much action to his name. He had the great opening scene, like you said, and then he had a couple color-related jumps and dives and, and drive-arounds in the middle and at the end. But there was very, physically, there was very little he did. There was no great fight scene. There was no real... And maybe that's because Charlize Theron is the bad guy and he's not going to punch Charlize Theron in the face. I would hope not, at least. But... He didn't. Re- he seemed a little checked out, and he didn't seem like he had much to do. And the crux of the movie, and the, the exciting parts, and the moments we that I remember, which are not as ample as I'd like, but they're Jason Statham parts, and they're the Rock parts. Like it's not Vin Diesel. No, I have to agree with that. I mean, at this point, they've pumped Rock's power level up to <laughs> like thirty-six million here. Because you know, go back to the Jason Statham and Rock uh, prison riot scene. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure it's a scene where Rock either punches or like big kicks some like a riot guard. And he goes flying and knocks four of the riot guards 20 feet. I mean, at this point, Rock is a superhero <laughs> within this franchise. Like his strength level is off the charts. <laughs> that was a great and that was and that was really fun. And you know, it's it's interesting given all of the rumors that are coming out now, and we'll loop back to this later, because that I think this is a next step sort of conversation. But the best parts of the movie again were were Statham and the Rock, and it felt like they were very aware of that. The filmmakers were very aware of that. The prison fight scene was probably the most memorable moment I could think of. Um, it's they had they, they were given more of the big moments and more of the the you know and frankly they're the more charismatic, interesting actors in the first place. Like Vin, it always just sort of felt like Vin fell ass backwards into this role. Like no one expected him or Paul Walker or this franchise to become what it was. And so they've sort of been kitschy and stupid and like it works because he's Dom Toretto. You can't get rid of him, obviously. Right. No one was saying that at all. But once they brought Vin or once they brought The Rock and Statham and people like that and Kurt Russell into the fold, you're bringing in good actors who are extremely charismatic and extremely entertaining and better fighters and bigger and stronger. It sort of feels like Vin's getting squeezed out a little bit. And it's sort of, to me, it felt like he sensed that this time and he, for whatever reason, did less, seemed to care less, just wasn't really as relevant to the movie being fun and interesting. No, I agree. I feel like he's almost trying to because of the, of the passing of Paul Walker, because he kept saying that um, Fast 7 was for Paul Walker and Fast 8 was from Paul Walker. I think it was... The, I think, oh. it's, so I'm, I'm, I'm like pushing the quote, but it's some situation where Vin's trying to shoehorn that into these movies mm-hmm. and like why they're making these things. And then during that same that same conversation, he announced that Fast 9 and 10 were going to happen. Mm-hmm. But I feel like Vin took 8 on himself to be the one where he's going to do the acting in it and be the emotional actor and that's why there's no action scene maybe that's why he's the one now he's got the baby yeah he's talking to Shirley Theron talking to the actress who played Alina his yeah his lover yeah and mother of his child but again because he didn't do any of that up to this point I feel like it's like now we're missing the bin that we care about the guy yeah. who brings out the wrench the size of his arm the, yeah. you know the street fight uh, Deckard Shaw yeah but now 
he's I think it was kind of a show of what he used to be in these movies. Yeah. Because clearly this to me this was the Rock's movie. Yeah. It was the Rock, uh Jason Statham, and even uh Tyrese Gibson. Mm-hmm. Like his catchy one liners. I think those are the three people I remember saying anything yeah. in the movie. <laughs> Is it, I think I feel like the vibe they they either they went for or achieved by accident in this one is uh, Vin was sort of like the president or like the leader, like as not symbolic per se, but he was sort of the administrative boss of the group. But Rock was like the general. Rock was in charge. Rock's the better fighter. He's the better. He's the government man. He knows how to get shit done. Like Rock seems like he's the one who's telling everybody what to do and saving the day. And Vin's sort of there as the not the again figurehead. He's still there, but in this movie he sort of was a figurehead. Like it was nominally let's save and figure out what's going wrong with Dom. But what like who? gives a shit about Dom like it just there wasn't a lot of I feel like he was there because he's Dom and he has to be there and it's a weird and it's a weird way to put it maybe it does have to do with Paul maybe without Paul Walker Vin Diesel the man is like I don't really want to do these movies anymore like maybe they don't have the alerts of him that he once did now that his friend's dead could be possibly true and then again he also announced Fast 9 and 10 so we have to (laughs) I don't know he's not checking out I mean I'm seeing both those movies regardless of whatever quality they are (laughs) yeah but like you said, I don't think he even if he is mentally checked out, let's hope he goes back to or the whole franchise go back to a more simple the simpler roots and simpler Dom or maybe there's a little more racing in there. Maybe it's not hijacking submarines and cold Russia yeah. kind of thing. And it's I, I would love to see that. I wonder if that's the case because uh, again, b- spoilers for the end of the movie. Although again, you all have most likely seen it. Uh, they don't get rid of the bad guy at the end of this one, which is usually they come up with some method of keeping them at least you know locked away or, or busy. Charlize is is free and clear at the end of this movie to come back again, and they don't really set up another big bad guy. So it's sort of odd. They didn't really. They at the end, the Rock turns down his government job, so he's free to do whatever in the next one. He doesn't. He's not tethered to whatever storyline they built for him. But it doesn't seem like they're going to. It seems like the stakes are going to be as high as ever, and that's probably not the best way for them to go. Because, like you said, it just how much higher and further can they go? Do we need more Charlize Theron? I don't think she was. She was fine. It was sort of interesting, you know. But at the end of the day, it just was sort of an excuse to build a big old hacker. Let's steal big giant things, you know. She's the she's the mastermind behind it all. Like, how many masterminds behind it all can there really be? Right. Until you, how long, how much do you really care? And speaking of mastermind, I had, when I was you know kind of reaping my knowledge in the whole franchise. I'm, I saw the fact that, uh, which again, it was blatant in the movie, but it's still in my mind, that Charlize Theron, who's, by the way, her name is Cypher yes. in the movie, she's <laughs> Cypher, um, she was a mastermind behind the previous two Fast and Furious movies. Sure. She was the, sure uh, was. was it Goldeneye Satellite, or what was it called? <laughs> yeah. God's Eye, God's yeah, Eye Satellite. God's <laughs> and then, apparently in the one before that, there, God bless me, there was a thing called the Nightshade. Don't know what that is. Did Apparently, they that was the plot of the movie before. It's called Nightshade. Is that five, six, seven was God's Eye? So okay. it's been six. There's, okay. a, there's a thing in six called Nightshade. Don't remember that at all. Exactly. But she also did that. Okay. So uh, the fact that and that I, was with Gaston from Beauty and the Beast. He was working that, he, for her. That was uh, yeah. Okay. Owen Shaw. Yeah. yeah. Owen Shaw. He was in the movie for two seconds, yeah. and then it's just not there anymore. Yeah. Um. But I felt like that was very sure. And let's just sort of retcon this whole thing. She did all this. Yeah. So we can make her the big baddie. And which used they already, and used her for nine and ten. Which they already did with Deckard Shaw in uh, at the end of six when he kills when they show him killing Han. Right. So that's they they seem to be in court and the, and it's and I think one of the things that most people like about this these movies is they're very brazenly blatantly just building this whole backstory for everybody that wasn't there. 
when they were just simple car movies. Now, all of a sudden, it gets bigger and bigger. I think we all were laughing. Like, this is so ridiculous how they keep, how they made Statham tie into the third one now. And, like, it's sort of fun how they've been doing it to this point. But, again, at, at a certain point, you can't really do that anymore. Like, that's just not feasible. You need to, you can't keep getting bigger. Like, it's just not possible. And I think this movie is proof that you can't keep getting bigger because it didn't really stick in either of our minds. Like, it was bombastic and loud and so much happened but it wasn't memorable it was just sort of big for the sake of being big no i agree again i think it's, this movie suffered from just action oversaturation mm-hmm. with this particular franchise yeah. I think other franchises for a reason can do this thing mm-hmm. but a franchise based on cars and so action has to revolve around cars yeah that that's their problem they they've now that the it was Fast and Furious, but now they're, for whatever reason, the government's go-to, like, secret agent team. <laughs> yeah. But they, they're trying to maintain that fast DNA by making it cars mm-hmm. to the point where they had this, I guess, a warehouse of, like, seized cars from, like, drug deals. Yeah. With tanks and Lamborghinis <laughs> and what have you, that uh, everything has to be in a car. Yes. And I love here on the internet that the uh, the next step, the final step, there's going to be cars in space. That's, like, the, as big as possible <laughs> you can go in this franchise is in space. And it's going to be like rocket-powered cars. Okay. So that's ultimately where the movie's going to end is Dom Toretto and that fixing sounds, his dad's car on the moon. And that sounds kind of fun. I mean, they can go into I space, I guess. But and, and if you really want to just jump the shark, jump the shark and do that at this point, why not? Yeah. Do that thing. But it didn't. It didn't. Um, it didn't keep building to like it was before. I wasn't excited to see what comes next after this one. I was more groaning at a couple things. Yeah. One of the things I was groaning at was a smaller thing, a couple smaller things, but the one thing I thought was kind of odd that I mentioned in my review is um, there's a sequence when they've realized that uh, Cypher, Charlize Theron, is, is behind it all and that Dom is on her side. Uh, someone asks whether they should call Brian. Brian being Paul Walker's character. And then the rest of the team quickly responds, no way, we said we'd never do that. That's crazy. And everyone goes, okay, yeah, you're right. And then they don't call Brian. That's just that's such a weird thing for me to think. Like, I know in the world of Fast and Furious, Paul Walker isn't dead, but everyone seeing that movie knows that he's dead. Like, they sort of set him off with this nice goodbye. They didn't kill him in the movie. They allowed him to live in peace in the fantasy world. If he's living in peace in the fans world, why are you even addressing bringing him back? Like, let him live. It just seemed like a callback for for the benefit of nothing. And I was just confused and surprised why they would do Like, did some writer think, like, oh, the fans are totally going to be wondering why Paul Walker can't come save the day? Like, the fans are all very aware of why he can't <laughs> save the day. He's not a live human being anymore. He can't act in the movies. You know, it just felt odd to me. No, I agree with you there. But I also, on just playing devil's advocate, mm-hmm. I understand why they did it. Because it is the main character... Beyond Dom, and he's still in the universe. Yeah. So I think it has to be touched upon that. Because every movie, are they going to ask why I can't Paul Walker save them? And here's why they won't do this. I think because the last movie is when they officially retired him Mm -hmm. as, like, the character. Yeah. And now in this one, they're going to just cement that and say, okay, we have the ability to call him, but because in our code of conduct as our family, whatever this, you know, group calls themselves, one of the subclauses is that when you retire, you're out. (laughs) And so someone brought it up and said, no, we can't violate the subclause. <laughs> he chose to do the family thing, so That's he's true. out. We can't do this. And I think that puts the bookend on uh, Paul Walker's character. That's a says, good point. We're done. Yeah, and, and also, if, if they aren't going to call him to stop Dom, they're not going to call him to stop anybody else. Like, that exactly. was sort of the idea. If it's his best friend, it's, with, you know. It's the other half of this pair. Yeah. But we're not, we're not even going to use that ability that we have, so we got to figure out ourselves. That's fair. I still thought it was weird. I didn't think it was necessary, but I understand your logic. I think your logic makes sense. In I'm the not getting logic. I'm, this is my, I'm trying to make this movie <laughs> make sense. They have a lot. There's technically, like I said, there's technically a logic to the characters into the movie, so I think you yeah. hit it that that's what they're going for, so... 
so that was interesting. I think, um, and this sort of ties back to what you were saying before about the locations and losing that sort of multi-diversity ethnic feel to it. Um, every movie up to this point in this in this sort of rebirth of the series from five to eight now has brought on new, like, interesting... Uh, not always ethnic character, a person of color, but like a Statham was just some bald white guy. But he's still Jason Statham. Like that was still fun and interesting. Yeah. Usually they try and bring on someone who adds a little more diversity and a little more interesting to the cast. This the big addition in this one was Scott Eastwood. Right. And no one gives a shit about Scott Eastwood. No one barely knows. If he wasn't Clint Eastwood's son, which most people don't know, he wouldn't he would he's not even that good of an actor. He just doesn't bring any name cachet to it. I'm not sure why this of the all the people that get add to the franchise at this point, Scott Eastwood was the person they chose. Like I thought he was just a boring, doofy white dude who who isn't that good of an actor and brought nothing to the movie or to the team in any real way. I think they they give they had to give uh, Kurt Russell somebody to kind of bombard stuff off of or yeah, I guess. be able to talk more, give more talking lines, maybe. <laughs> I also was seeing some theories that this is supposed to be the Paul Walker replacement. I'm doing air quotes here. Oh, okay. As like the young white team guy who's eventually eventually gonna join the team and not be called a little nobody anymore, yeah. which is his he'll be called name. he'll be called whatever his actual his, name is yeah. that I don't know at all. God, we'll call him guy <laughs> yeah. for now. Um but in terms of I, again I, they could have added a lot any character for this and back to what you're saying, that's kind of why I like these movies to begin with, because all the culture that's involved, all the the uh, diverse, ethnically diverse cast, all the exotic locations yeah. and I think this movie suffered dramatically and that's why the being... world embraced them too like I feel yeah. like a lot of people could say oh there's a lot of brown and black people in this I really like I actually relate to these characters for yeah. a change as opposed to a bunch of just white dudes right. that are not that I like but they're not they don't look like me they don't act or talk like me this franchise seemed to ignore that and try and do something a little different so this felt sort of like maybe not step back but a step sideways yeah. and I didn't I wasn't really I thought as they got bigger they would throw the shackles away even more and say we're gonna do whatever the fuck we want because right. we're furious eight now like nothing can stop us we are, can make any choice we want oh, yeah. and this one didn't feel this one felt like they were a little more following the playbook as opposed to doing sort of whatever they want which is disheartening and not to speak of that scene too much in cuba again mm -hmm. but that cuba scene with dom street racing yeah like that whole scene was like all right it feels like a fast movie yeah. I'm, I'm, in, I'm in it for this movie now yeah. two hour ride it was great it was and really it good it goes to it was campy and stupid and fun yeah, like it was exactly all the things i would want. want it to be yeah and then it cuts to you know Shirley Theron saying you're gonna help me or else with here's my iPhone. Yeah, don't, don't use all my data. <laughs> I got a scary picture on my iPhone. And then it cuts to the black site where the Kurt Russell's Mr. Nobody is gathering the team because, of course, the government can't handle this. Because his no. reason is like we can't do this. <laughs> yeah. It's off the books. We need the team. So we got we got to get the hacker. We get Tej. Yeah, we have to get uh, Tyrese. Is the hacker the girl? No, hacker's Tej now. Okay, hacker's Tej, but and the then, girl's a hacker too. Ramsey, that's her name by the okay. way, in the movie. Um, she it was well, in the movie she was like the main thing in the last one she created God's Eye yeah. and she was nothing to this she, I think she tried to counter hack yeah. Cypher at some she was point. doing a little hacking I think but, but it was like oh she got me yeah oh, oh, I'm not as good a hacker yeah. it's, again I think they they kind of just and they all want to have sex with her too that's sort of the running that, subplot is that yeah it is they should, they should just they should forget that yeah they should just figure out one of them should just have sex with her and the other one can just find another woman who or he not likes. even that I feel like it's kind of marginalizing like the best hacker in the world who's also ethnic and female in a movie in like yeah. a major movie it's like does she have to be the sex interest yeah. of the other two characters and I guess she tells them no so that's girl power but not really she no, just like, mostly gets hit on the entire time I just think this movie has such an opportunity to promote that kind of thing like you said mm -hmm. they could have added another strong female lead to this cast and yeah. it's great that's cool. awesome. Yeah. But they chose Eastwood and 
That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Charlize Theron, I guess. Yeah, we, it was fine. Again, she's she's she didn't do a bad job at all, but it just didn't do anything particularly. It certainly was not a Deckard Shaw or even the other Shaw or yeah. like you know or Rock for that matter. Or Rock. Who yeah. Was, again, I, I will say this is to me this was the Rock movie. Yeah. Well, that's a great thing to bring up because that sort of ties into the next. Uh, point I wanted to make, which is sort of the, in the aftermath of this, and in the lead up to it too, <laughs> there was a lot of conversation about the Rock Vin Diesel beef. Um, it seemed, once once the first trailer came out, and you heard that Rock and Vin were beefing, and then you saw that Don Tretto was turning, was went rogue in the movie, it seemed like, okay, they're obviously trying to build some fake you know, animosity between Rock and Vin because in the movie they're facing off and they'll 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 blow it off at some point and they'll do a big old thing and they'll be like, well, we're best friends again and the movie will come out. That didn't happen. As far as we know, and based on everything you've heard, it seems relatively legit or at least that they're running with it for much longer than they probably should be if they're trying to, like, resolve it and get some more publicity out of that. Everything I've heard, and you were sharing some stuff with me today, it seems like it's it might be a real thing, which would, which would also sort of coincide with how Vin sort of was not marginalized in the movie, but was sort of doing his own thing and not really fighting so much anymore. Maybe there was an issue on set. Like it, it just seems sort of odd tying in with our with our take on the movie as well. No, I agree. I think that all these things kind of point to the fact that maybe this beef, whether it was exa- exaggerated in the media or not, I don't know. Maybe there was an actual dispute between the two. I mean, of course, I've read things where oh, Rock, you know, he shows up at five a.m. to work when probably <laughs> everyone, no one else is there. <laughs> but then Vin, I was he- hearing that he was showing up late, and that's kind of what spawned this whole thing. But again, back when this first happened, I was like, dollars to donuts, man. You have WrestleMania coming. You have the yeah. movie coming out. And with uh, Dom going rogue, there's no way this is not a fake thing. They're just trying to promote the movie. Which would have been, been amazing if they were at WrestleMania. That would have been the, and the best like, thing. And I was like, I mean, we watched WrestleMania together. <laughs> sure did. And I was like, I was thinking to myself, when's, when's Vin going to show up here? And yeah. just like get in the ring. Like, yeah. Kind of like Ronda Rousey did. Yeah. That, that whole thing. That, for that, for not 10 minutes. Thing. Just like, like take a know. bump or something and just that's the end of it. Yeah. Or him and Rock turn, team up to beat up Eric Rowan or something. And then the beef is gone. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, now yeah. they, they find common ground. See and... our movie. <laughs> yeah. But, but uh, nothing. again, nothing uh, showed up, which actually leads me to, we talked about the Rock here, and how this is the Rock movie. I was hearing that there's actually supposed to be a post credit scene in this movie in which it was setting up the Luke Hobbs, uh, Deckard Shaw franchise of the Rock and Jason Statham. Myself, I'm thinking... After watching the movie, that would be the best franchise in the world. I'd watch every single one yeah. of those movies that comes out because they were the best part. Their chemistry on screen was great, but apparently, I was hearing that um, Vin Diesel didn't want that scene in the post credits, and he said, "Push this to the DVD or some other way to get that out there on YouTube or something like that." So there was supposed to be a post credit scene with setting this whole spinoff franchise up, but Vin said no, which just leads this goes back to maybe that beef is legitimate. Yeah, and if that's true, that's very strange because. I mean, Vin's, Vin's, uh, I know he has, he's been around the franchise forever. He obviously has a good deal of creative control at this point of what he wants it to do. He was an executive producer on it, I think, it, right? yeah. I think he's been executive producer for a couple now. But that's just, but he's going to be an executive producer on the, the, uh, Rock Statham movie, too. Like, there's he's no, going to make There's a, no way Rock, it's not part of Rock's quiver. To have to get Vin out, maybe? For, at least for his movie. Maybe. But Vin, but it all comes from the same franchise. Like, I'm sure Vin's going to get a piece at some point. Vin, yeah. Vin... But either way, well, I'm not sure why Vin would want to squash it, if that's true. That seems like an odd business choice. Like, right. if they're, they're businessmen above all else, you'd think. If they're just making movies to make billions of dollars. I don't know. It, it seems odd, for sure. And it's sort of, you know, regardless of whether it's true or not, or whatever beef there is, the, the undeniable thing is that Statham and Rock were the two were the best parts of the movie. Agreed. So, that's an interesting twist 
in at this point at all. Like they're bringing in all these really cool people again to go up against Vin, and Vin just sort of Vin does look a little, looks and feels a little marginalized at this point. And it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next couple ones if they get back to a focus on Vin and the family, or if they keep expanding and bringing in people that overshadow the original uh, people in some regard. Well, like we were talking about this movie, or I'm sorry, Vin already. A year ago, he announced nine and ten are in the works, mm-hmm. and it's been confirmed that it, this this franchise is going to stop at ten. Kind of what we talk, talked about in that Cuba scene got back to its fast roots. Um, if this next movie, like Fast Nine, we'll call it, I guess for now, if it kind of showed the team breaking up or the team's broken up for whatever reason, and it just shows them all like doing their street racing, their own like again like small time stuff in their own towns, mm-hmm. and for whatever reason, of course, there's some world calamity that. The Rock has to gather the team together, or the Vin has to gather the team together. Mister Nobody's got to put the team back together again. Half the movie could be own like small stories of them like be doing their Fast and Furious stuff, drag racing, being cops, doing yeah. whatever, and kind of get back to its roots. Kind of let's take a breather from all the action from the last three movies. Yeah, just do some regular street racing, and then the last we'll call it one and a half movies. Yeah, that can be your ultimate escalation to outer space. Yeah, or wherever, of course, or wherever yeah. is it going to end? Underwater, outer space. I don't know. <laughs> But there has to be at least some point where you, this whole movie's franchise has to like take a breather, yeah, and just reset itself, and not just keep, like you said, raising the stakes to the point where you're watching it. I'm like, man, okay, so the Russian, the Russian submarine got blown up. I don't want to watch this anymore. Yeah, it's too much. Don't care about the submarine. Not right. really too worried. But yeah, I remember in the movie. I told to the point where I was like, I remember watching this movie. I'll be interview. I'm thinking to myself. I'm gonna be honest. I thought Charlize was on the sub. I forgot. That was like an hour ago. I thought she was on the sub. I'm like, there goes Charlize. <laughs> she's in the sky. Oh, no. She's on she's in the sky plane. In the airship. Like, oh. <laughs> that was a really good point, too. I totally forgot as well. I was like, I don't know where she is either. That was very confusing. Um, it's sort of, I mean, that sort of reminds me of the way Marvel's telling their stories right now, which is bringing everybody together every now and then for a big movie, but then giving everyone their own solo stories, letting, you know, Thor and the gang go off and do their own thing. And I think that is really, like, DC is the opposite of that. DC is cramming everybody into as many movies as they can be to catch up. That doesn't always work. Like, at a certain point, you probably do need to take a breather and accept that we don't want the biggest, loudest story every time. We, we like taking a step back with characters we appreciate on their own, and then being and then we appreciate the meetups and the get-togethers even more. How many times can you get the band back together and, and run a similar type plot over and over again? They may have, in my opinion, they sort of found their limit here. So it'll be interesting. But again, if they make a trillion dollars, they're probably not oh, going to yeah. worry too much about it. But or, or just to take a, a, a play out of uh, Marvel's book there, um, imagine if we took 9 and 10 and we postponed those for a minute, mm-hmm. and then we had the the, uh, the Rock, Jason Statham franchise kind of go off on its own tangent and have some of these other characters cameo in there, like yeah. Tyrese or Tej, and then you build these other like, sub-stories. <laughs> like, you know, Tyrese, just Tyrese, but Tej is Tej. <laughs> or look at Ludacris. Yeah. <laughs> my favorite characters but I'm saying like you could have all these other characters who probably aren't like starring in other movies per se as much sure just to kind of like they can just be sprinkled into this new rock franchise yeah. and make new characters too and, make new buddies you, that can cameo and people can buddies, share and everybody has to come together for what would be Fast and Furious Infinity War yeah. which would be 9 and 10 to save whatever is about to happen to the earth yeah the earth's gonna explode yeah I think that's I think that would be a really good idea and that actually leads to my last conversation point here is what would you rather see next? Would you rather see... I mean, I think I know the answer, but would you rather see Rock Statham or would you rather just see another F9? Like I said, I think the fast... Knowing that knowing that the Rock Statham is, is a spin-off and, and is, will not feature Vin and will be its own thing. Oh, I feel, I, yeah. Um, because how I felt coming out of Fast 8 or Fate, 
Mm-hmm. I was so it's again the action was so oversaturated where yeah. I wanted it to be done halfway through. I can honestly say that let's take, let's pump the brakes on the fast franchise. I'm gonna see. I'm gonna watch nine and ten eventually come out, but I'd much much rather see based off the chemistry they had in Fate of Statham and The Rock. Yeah, and those those move. This idea of that sounds so appealing. It does, and even like putting him down into like one of like into like one of Statham's like kitschy. 80s action flicks where he's just doing a lot of martial arts on people. Mm-hmm. Like, just don't make don't make it a world crisis. Make it like a small government operation kind of thing. Yeah, and just those two doing their thing, like a predator type thing. Send these two into a mission. Yeah, and there's some maybe other big baddie. Yeah, does it have to be the world's going to explode? It has to be just something small. Yeah, and I watch that all day. Yeah, and I think it's interesting too because um, when I, when you hear when I hear at least when I hear rumors about like they're trying to build a, a universe. Like, everyone wants to build their own cinematic universe now. Like, the goddamn movie monsters, or not movie monsters, they talked about that before, but Godzilla and King Kong is going to be a universe now with, like, Rodan and all that. Like, when, when I hear about someone making a universe like that, I instantly cringe because I'm like, ugh, how many goddamn universes? Like, just make a good movie. But what Fast and Furious has done through these bunch of movies is build a universe, whether they meant to originally or not. They might just make it some sequels at one point. There's no way, I'm just pausing, there's no way they meant to build this universe. Yeah, I, 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 but that, every dollar I have, they, that's true. Um, during Fast Furious 1, even 2, 2 Fast and Furious, like, Seven movies from now, The Rock's going to be in this. <laughs> and we're going to make us a billion dollars in two weeks. <laughs> That's true. No, no one says that. No, you're right. They did not say that at all. But for, by hook or by crook, they did it. And they made a franchise and a universe for, you know, using the terminology we use now. But now that they have it, they should take advantage of it. Now that they have 20 characters and a shared history and a plot that is generally, you know, has some, like you said, some rules and some stuff around it, this is the perfect time to take that step back and expand it in other directions. Like, to not keep pressing forward for the sake of pressing forward, but saying, why doesn't, The Rock can hold a movie on his own. Like, yeah. Statham can hold a movie on his own. Like, Rock doesn't even have to be in it if he needs to. Like, I would see a Statham movie. There's plenty of just random ass Statham movies that are great. They, this is a great time to try that out and to you know make a billion dollars in a different way and and, and it's sort of organic too like and, and that's what I like I like when you tell a story that has enough characters and enough momentum behind it that people will people do want to see these movies not because they have to or they feel like it's a necessity but because they like them like I like seeing the Marvel movies because I like seeing the Marvel movies like when I start feeling obligated to see them I'll probably stop seeing them but for now I genuinely enjoy 80% of them that I see so it's great like I'm, they make fun entertaining movies the Furious movies for the most part are the same deal. Like, I enjoy them because they're fun. Like, this one felt like the first one of a chore. But if they were to take that fun in other directions, I think that would be beneficial for everybody involved. No, I agree. And I think, again, using the nomenclature, this universe has a unique ability that other movies don't where they've already set a precedent where they have no problem retconning all their own movies. Yeah. So they wanted to, okay, this next movie took place after the first one, but before the second one. <laughs> yeah, like, they, they had this ability to go, like insert all these different like story plots and yeah. elements to make this tapestry work yeah. whatever they want to do for the last movies yep. so they can make as many movies as they want yeah. until they actually complete their franchise because they've done they've just started inserting whatever they want into the history of the franchise yeah just bounce around so they have this weird ability if they wanted to extend this out for years they can yeah. do this based off just their own precedent they set <sighs> and, and based off the money that these movies make. Every, people are seeing these movies. Mm-hmm. So it's not like people, the, the, the money's draining here. No, not at all. And I think any studio is going to green like this because this one's already almost pushing a billion dollars. Yeah. Like three quarters of a billion dollars. That They're like, yeah, whatever you want. <laughs> I will say that. I just looked this up and I saw this on Twitter and I was I had to double to confirm it before I said it. 
Vin Diesel and Paul Giamatti are the exact same age. They're both 49 years old. So it's not like Vin, Vin isn't a spring chicken anymore either. Yeah. Like, 49 is getting pretty up there. Like, I don't think The Rock is that far behind. And Statham's probably about that old, too, yeah. in their 40s. But he's going to be 50 years old next year. Like, how long is he going to keep driving around and beating the shit out of people? Like, so that's, but that further reinforces maybe he wants to take a break. Maybe he's like, I'm tired and I'm an action hero and I'm 50 years old and I don't want to be this, this swole my entire life. Maybe I'll be a little less swole. You saying that, Vin? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we'll see. Well, maybe. He's got to go make Triple X and. That's right. <laughs> yeah, he's got. Pitch Black or. Yeah, pitch Black whatever 4. The character verdict, there it is. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, well. Um, it's, it's, uh,. Oh, it, I'm gonna pause here. oh, yeah, please. I was going to say, again, I've been reading people's uh, fantasy booking for this <laughs> team is they want the Fast team to cross over with the Expendables. Okay. I've been seeing that, which, again, a movie I would immediately see. That's like an automatic watch for me. Like, of course I'm going to go see that movie. But there'd be would, so it, many human beings would, in that movie. It would like. work. But think about, I mean, again... Expendables 3 had, like... I saw the box at Best Buy a few days ago. There's, like, 20 people on the front here's cover. A, here's the thing. When Marvel Infinity War comes out, that's going to have, like, 30, like, that's true. top actors and they're doing their main characters like, yeah i'm gonna see that one yeah so i would see expendable fast here so i'm saying is that <laughs> the universe needs to make this happen <laughs> i would consider seeing that i would be very interested i don't know i'm not an expendables man myself apparently yeah, kelsey grammar's in it that. That is, he is in it <laughs> yeah. he is in it well if you ever want to review expendables 3 if you want to come in and do a retro recap of that we can work that out then guaranteed <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these are interesting movies, and uh, I'm I'm glad they exist. They're still pretty fun. Like I didn't hate seeing Furious Eight. Like I enjoyed it for the most part. Just I again, I feel like I was the the excitement around seeing this new one. It, it's it continued to build from the previous entries. This is the first one where I didn't walk out and say, "Oh, I want to see what they do in F9." I was like, "Yeah, take your time. You know, take it easy. Take a yep. breather." So that's a bit of a letdown, but still good. Still swole. Everyone's real big. And again, I said this to you, and this is my parting comment. This is the this franchise has done so much for bald men. The I agree. three main characters, the three main male characters, are all very bald men who kick ass and are amazing and do not have any shame about being bald and are openly just have no hair and have had no hair for a very long time and have never tried to hide it. And it's great. Like how many, in the eighties? Think about all the action heroes we used to have. These like wonderfully like Bruce Willis is probably the first guy who started the ball a little bit. But everyone else had luscious hair. Like Mel Gibson's hair when he was in *Lethal Weapon* was rich, and Arnold always had good hair. Like, but finally we're getting into an era now where I think being bald is cool. So and being a bald man, I can very much appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. Very very much. So. <laughs> so that's good. That's if it's, this franchise has contributed anything to culture beyond what it's already done. Yeah. The, the bald thing is a nice touch. All right. Well. Thank you guys so much for listening. Um, this is we love talking Furious. Uh, it was a good experience, and hopefully we'll be back and we'll be talking about Jason Statham and the Rock movie. I don't know what do you think they would call that. What do you do? I, like I'm always I'm curious about. They'd have to call it something Furious, right? Or would they? I mean, who is it? It's Luke Hobbs and Decker Shaw. That's yeah, like catchy thing you can buy those. Yeah, Hobbs and Shaw. I don't know. I don't know. It'll be interesting. Yeah, but, but I guess that's a good question. Would it be like Hobbs and Shaw, like subtitle Fast and Furious, Fur- Fast yeah. and Furious story? A Fast and Fur- yeah, that seems to be the new like idea. Yeah, very well. We'll see. Yeah, could be that way. Well, we'll get together for that at some point. But for now, if you haven't seen Furious Eight, uh, read the review. You already heard us talk about it. Probably go see it. You want to talk about it? The water cooler. It's making a billion dollars at least, so you don't want to be miss out on this one. So give it a shot. Uh, go see the bald men kick ass and see the rock be gigantic. That's always the best thing. He's as I, I don't know how much bigger he can even get at this point. He, this is definitely his biggest 
He's gigantic. But again, how, for how does him, he get clothes? I don't even understand how he fits into clothes. That's the best part. When he was in his prison jumpsuit, he hit a sleeveless prison jumpsuit. <laughs> yeah. They cut the sleeves off yeah. far, and they're like, they're like, "You, you need to have a size for you, Rock." <laughs> <laughs> we need to talk about how he moves the missile with his feet to blow up the, well, uh, that truck the, or whatever. The fact that we didn't talk about how the Rock is in. I'm going to call it some like a super Humvee. Yeah, he's driving it. Yeah, steps out of it while driving it, and then kicks a tor- <laughs> is a torpedo yeah, from the nuclear submarine <laughs> away into the. He somehow reverses course and then shoots a sub torpedo into the bad guys' cars. The fact that we didn't talk about yeah. that is a great example of the oversaturation of action. That was yeah. a huge scene. <clears throat> it was ridiculous. It was like it's a thing. It was happened. fun at the moment, but it didn't stick with me. It wasn't like the safe thing, or it wasn't like yeah. some of the other fights where like like even the Rock Shaw fight the first time they fought or the time they fought in the office building. That was great. Yeah. And it's sometimes some of the, it just was a little less memorable this time around. Yep. So, but still, still fun. You might like it more than we did, but if Furious super fan Hulk says uh, it was only subpar, then I think you should listen to us. So, for now, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, I'm Steve Semino. And I'm Hulk, and hopefully I'm back for F9. <laughs> and either way, we'll be seeing you further on up the road. Adios. Adios.